The Bible reading is on the inside of the handout sheet. And it comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. The birth of Jesus is foretold. In the six months of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It is wonderful to be here for this service of baptism and confirmation and particularly wonderful to have heard how God has been at work in your lives. Isabella and Elliot and Noni as you're baptised and Isabella and Eleanor and Josephine being confirmed. It's really uh, wonderful to hear particularly how it's been so important for you to take the opportunity to say, publicly say yes to Jesus' call to follow him on your journey through life, to publicly declare, I want to belong to God's people, the church, and I want to stand up for what I believe. It's an opportunity that will lead to other opportunities opportunities to grow, to grow into the person God wants you to be, has designed you to be, to grow in your desire to be used by God. And so opportunities to serve, to discover your vocation, your calling as a Christian. As you discover what it means for you to be God's co-worker in the world. The thing with opportunity is that it's so easy to put something in the way of that. It's so easy to be scared of it, to be afraid of taking what the opportunity will mean. Our gospel this morning that we heard read is is one of the reasons set in the season, season of the church year, known as Advent, Advent really is our yearly reminder of the times we live in. The reminder that we live in expectation of something that could happen at any time. 
the coming of Christ. The coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to judge, yes, and gather his people to himself. It is the disruptive event to end all disruptive events. After nearly three years of COVID, a significant time of disruption and change, and world events have only since served to underline this, churches, along with many other organisations and the wider community, still don't have a strong sense how everything will unfold, what it means as we look to the future, as, we call, as we're called to reimagine the future. Well, in the midst of that, Advent, which is a season of the church year that's been going on for centuries, is really an annual call to wait on God, to live in expectation as we reimagine the future and our part in it, in light of Jesus' return, and as we prepare to celebrate the first coming of Jesus as a baby. So what we heard, as Philippa said, in our reading, is the story of the birth of Jesus being foretold. And if you read uh, that whole chapter of John, you will see that there is a great sense of waiting on God, a sense of expectation and an announcement way beyond the realms of human imagining. And within that, within this announcement that we read today by the angel Gabriel, we see a young woman, Mary, answering God's call on her life. Wherever you are in answering God's call on your life, it's worth remembering where the angel Gabriel begins. The angel went to her, Mary, and said, Greetings to you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favour with God. No wonder, people don't have angels come to them every day. I think if you have an angel come to you, you will fear, have a certain amount of fear and awe going on. And those words, I will be with you, might mean something. Because don't be afraid. If that's the most frequent biblical command... I'm not someone who um, counts things up, but it's very frequent in the Bible. It's worth remembering, let's not forget, that I am with you, which regularly backs it up, exactly what we've seen today, is one of the most frequent of the biblical promises. That promise ultimately fulfilled in Jesus, who promises to be with his disciples always to the end of the age. In the same few verses as when he told his disciples to go and make disciples, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. It's also worth remembering where the angel Gabriel ends. For no word from God will ever fail, verse 37. Or as it's also translated, for nothing will be impossible with God. And so what is the appropriate response? Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Both these declarations 
find their echo in scripture. For no word of God will ever fail. What is a statement here in the gospel is put in the Old Testament as a question. It's the question God puts to Abraham in Genesis 18 when Sarah, his wife, laughs overhearing the news that she will have a son in her old age. Is anything too wonderful too hard for the Lord? No. Sarah does have a son, Isaac, fulfilling the promise God has made to Abraham descendants that would become a great nation. It's also the question God asks the prophet Jeremiah at the centre of the book of Jeremiah, the book of hope, in chapter 32. 588 BC, only months before the fall of Jerusalem, what is left of the great nation Israel promised to Abraham to the Babylonian army? The city is under siege. Jeremiah, the prophet's in prison. It's absolutely hopeless from a human point of view. When the Lord tells Jeremiah to buy a field in a village from his cousin to show that normal life will one day be resumed, Jeremiah can say to his Lord God, nothing is too hard for you. But he still struggles with how God can actually transform the situation. God's judgment has come. How can this be reversed? Yet again, God asks, is anything too hard for me? And God asks that question, having promised in chapter 31 to make a new covenant with his people, forgiving their wickedness and remembering their sins no more. That is, God will no longer count their sins against them. It will be as if they never sinned, which is the reality for you as you turn away from your sin and turn to Christ. Which takes us to the announcement Gabriel makes to Mary. It's not only that God does the impossible, bringing life out of death, good out of evil, joy out of suffering, peace out of conflict, forgiveness from guilt, even in situations which from every human perspective is hopeless, the Lord giving a way forward. It's not only that God does the impossible, giving old women, Sarah, yes, Uh, and now also Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, old women and virgins' children, Gabriel's declaration is echoing and bringing together the promises to Israel. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus, that is Saviour, as is explained in Matthew to Joseph. For he will save his people from their sins. Fulfilment? of that promise to Jeremiah. And God had promised another Old Testament figure, King David, a house. House as in dynasty and house as in temple. So as it became increasingly apparent that David's descendants were unworthy of the high office to which they were called, the prophets and the writers of the Psalms of Israel began to speak of a king who would come in the line of David who would be a worthy occupant of his throne. A Davidic child 
would establish his throne with justice and with righteousness, Isaiah 9. A branch from the stump of Jesse would create yet an ideal kingdom, Jesse, David's father, Isaiah 11. Not just a descendant of David, but one who's also spoken of as God, Emmanuel, God with us. A righteous branch, yes, to spring from the house of David, will be called the Lord is our righteousness. And what do we hear Gabriel say to Mary a millennium later of the son she is to bear and name Jesus? He will be great and he will be called Son of the Most High and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And this will happen because the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. So Mary becomes the temporary dwelling place of the living God. Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Those phrases are all to do with the temple, the idea of God dwelling within. For nothing will be impossible with God. Temple and king come together once and for all. So we see just here the scriptures coming true in ways never imagined. And for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary, echoing like Gabriel the Old Testament, the calling of the prophet Isaiah, as she says yes to her own call, placing her trust in the God for whom nothing is too hard, the God whose word does not fail, as with Sarah, as with Jeremiah and Israel. And I want to come back to the question Mary asks. I jumped over verse 34, but it's interesting. In the midst of all of that, she says, she asks a technical question. How can this be, since I am a virgin? Well, the thing is, and I do find this actually when I'm in the diocese often with groups of people having questions, they'll talk about very technical things. But often underneath it all are the fears that are going on for people. And think of Mary. I'm sure she had many other questions, questions which would have pointed to there to be good reason to feel afraid. What about Joseph? What's he going to say? She was right to be worried. It took a whole visit from the angels to settle that one down. What's our future? My future. I hardly know what it means to be married, let alone have a child. She was very young. Mary would have had many questions, as we all do. But the thing is, she didn't need to know all the answers. Her discernment, and it's an incredible discernment she makes as a young woman, her discernment was simply to trust. Trust, faith, 
which is the opposite of fear. May your word to me be fulfilled. We can be in all very different places answering God's call on our lives. I always remember nothing is impossible with God. I think it was being preached from the RSV. was the text when I was received into membership of the Anglican Church when I was answering God's call myself to ordained ministry. And the thing I want to say is we grow into the role God calls us into at whatever that is, at whatever stage of our lives, as we trust God that no word of God will ever fail. Rather, any word, any promise from God will be fulfilled in ways more wonderful than we can imagine. And God calls each of us to play our part in that, to be a co-worker with him in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that is why, as you now come to be confirmed, I'll be praying for the strengthening of the Holy Spirit specifically and even more specifically, I'll be praying for the specific gifts of the Spirit that you may grow in grace as the Spirit gifts you in wisdom and understanding, discernment and inner strength, knowledge and true godliness and fill you with wonder and awe at God's presence. May God answer that prayer, both in your new birth, your baptism, and as you come to stand and have me before everyone, or as you have stood and publicly declared, I turn to Christ and as I pray for the Holy Spirit continuing to strengthen you.